Hello, everyone, and welcome to Space Junk, a weekly podcast dedicated to the amazing hobby of amateur astronomy. Each week, we'll bring you interesting and fun discussions with an eye towards providing you with the latest information and advice on the tools, gadgets, software, and techniques for maximizing your enjoyment of the night sky. Your hosts are Tony Darnell from DeepAstronomy.Space and Dustin Gibson from OPT Telescopes, a world leader in telescopes and accessories. Be yeah, funny. Time. Okay, I've just hit start recording, so be funny okay. now. All right. Too okay. late. <laughs> yeah. Too yeah, late. On humor is over. Uh, you, you just, you know what it is, Tony. You just learned a valuable life lesson about how you should always be recording right from the beginning. And I hope you've internalized this and you remember this for the future. I will try and take that with me to the grave. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is that way. It's also good for uh, for extortion so when you yeah. when you were always recording always be recording yeah. always be and recording. you always A-B-R. have material that's right A always, always b b r recording always be <laughs> recording and, so and you will have things to use against others yeah and also don't tell them that's what you're doing uh okay no don't read it this is just journalism 101 like i don't feel like i have to tell you this stuff uh <laughs> Exactly. There's no such you know, thing as you know. Nothing on, is on off the, the table. Off the record. What yeah. is that? Yeah. Right? There is so, no. Yeah. Yeah. Who has a record anymore? All right. All right. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Space Junk, a weekly podcast designed to get you motivated to go outside and look up at the wonders of the night sky. I'm Tony Darnell from DeepAstronomy.Space, and today we have Fraser Kane from Universe Today as our guest, and we are going to talk about conspiracy theories <laughs> now i realize hey, hey welcome frazier <laughs> how did this happen did i just like did you have like some kind of random topic choice and you're like oh fraser gets this one Great. yes we're gonna put it well we didn't want to tell you until you got here so this is what we're going to talk about now i realize this is a really big topic and mm-hmm. we're going to need to narrow it down a bit so so uh since Fraser and I have been communicating science for years and years and years, and we've basically seen and heard it all, we're going to talk more specifically about the conspiracy theories involving astronomy and space travel. Now, the obvious things would be things like NASA faking the moon landing, NASA hiding the planet the size of Neptune, and all kinds of other fun stuff. And we could probably fill a podcast series on this topic alone, So because there's so many conspiracy theories out there. But we're just going to chat about the ones we see most often, and maybe talk about why conspiracy theories take hold of so many people and what we as science communicators can do about countering them. Uh, And even if we should counter them, that's a good question too. Yeah. So let's get started. Let me, let me introduce my co-host Dustin Gibson from OPT telescopes who joins us each week. Hey, Dustin. Hey, Tony Fraser guys. I got to tell you, this makes me so happy. (laughs) (laughs) We, we, um, so I was, I was always a big fan of astronomy cast before ever coming to OPT. And so Fraser, you know, I've been listening to you forever. We've had that conversation, but recently, uh, Fraser and I, more recently, I should say, Fraser and I have started uh, doing a lot more with the observatories together and trying to show people space in that way. But when, (laughs) 
Tony and I were talking about, you know, what can we do when Fraser comes on? I was just thinking, like, I know what will make him very uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> because yeah. Yeah. like you do. No, I'm not going to lie. I have been dreading. I have been just dreading uh, this this podcast recording. So, yeah. So mission, mission accomplished. If you want to put me in the hot seat and make me uncomfortable, you have definitely found my kryptonite. <laughs> we very much appreciate it. <laughs> this, this is going to be a blast. Yeah. But, you know, on the other side of it, I think this is um, this is something that uh, probably we all can learn a lot from, from digging through this and uh, definitely a way to communicate this a little bit better. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it's something that is an important topic of conversation. I mean, these things are are uh, everyone in the world knows about them for a reason. You know, a lot of people believe these things and I want to talk about the reasons they believe them. So this is exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm now, ready. Okay, good. You because because here we go now. Actually, before I do that, I, because I never get to talk to you, Fraser. You're you're up in Vancouver, right? I'm on Vancouver Island. Vancouver Island. That's a beautiful yeah. part of the country up there. Isn't it it I, really is. Yeah. Uh, what's the weather like up there right now? Are you guys getting a lot of cold stuff, or no, are you guys avoiding no. that polar vortex? Yeah, yeah. We got we've got two mountain ranges in between us and the frigid uh, middle of the country. So, uh, no, it's it's nice here. I mean, it is. We typically track several degrees above freezing is our typical winter. So it rains. It rains and it rains and it rains and it rains is what it does. But there's an observatory up there, right? Don't you have – is it on Vancouver Island? Yeah. So Yeah, there's an observatory in Victoria called the uh, Dominion Observatory. That's the one, Dominion Astrophysical Observatory. Mm -hmm. I actually went there once and it was it, it, I, I was surprised because it was it is like you say it rains a lot that's not what people think of when they yeah. think of where to build an observatory do they still do are they still active at- I, yeah they they were uh i think i mean they they threatened to close it down i'm not actually sure what the state of it is they call it the center of the universe and you sort of see signs to it when you're coming in and out of victoria um but i don't know and i know that it had been threatened to be shut down and i don't know the state of it like right now and I apologize. Well, I didn't expect you to. I was just yeah. curious about the. Uh, I mean, I prepared I myself the world. for conspiracy theories about the Dominion Observatory, but not the actual state of the Dominion. Well, you already said they think they're the center of the universe. Yeah, right do. there. Well, they are, <laughs> and aren't we all the center of the universe? <laughs> right. Well, I know I am. Yeah. Yes. So good. All right. Conspiracy theories. Who wants to go first? What? Who? What's your favorite one, Dustin? Let's start with you. What's your favorite conspiracy theory? Oh, my favorite. Um, let's talk about whether or not aliens are have visited this planet. You know, I think they yeah. were in Area 51 and whether or not they're still here. You know, I well, know. I mean, like I get I would say that's about a third to a quarter of the comments that I get on YouTube. And I think in this in this modern age, as we deal with as scientific you know, science communicators, and we've got these platforms like YouTube, we have this direct connection to the thoughts and opinions and theories of everyone on earth. And it is great. I mean, it is to be able to, to get just just get this sort of sense of what everyone is concerned about and thinking about. And I, I hear I discover all kinds of new scientific discoveries that have been made and people are like, Hey, can you talk about this thing? And I'm like, I didn't even know about this thing. And then I use that as an opportunity to, to look into it. But I also get 
an enormous amount of pushback about my stance on aliens and moon landings and all of this kind of stuff because anybody can just post their their comments and i think we're in this renaissance of conspiracy theory. We are in the golden age of conspiracy theory because, <laughs> oh because <God>. anyone <laughs> can post a video and if, and you can do a search for aliens and, and uh, hidden aliens and structures on the moon and things are not telling you about and so on. And YouTube is absolutely filled with them. And there is no way for a person to know what, which of these things is legitimate? Which of these things has, you know, evidence behind it? And which are the things that a guy just put up? And I, I'll give you like a, a classic example. I found one video where it's about a two hour or three hour video, well monetized, lots of ads all the way through it. So they're making good money on this. And they just, it is like a super cut of aliens attacking a future, you know, weird pictures of Area 51 and news scenes coming from CNN and so on. And they've filled like three hours of it. And then they have this, like the title is something like world will end on February 3rd, 2019. And then when February 3rd, 2019 comes around, they just change the date. The same video stays there, but they just keep changing the date. And if you go through the comments, you can see people going, wait a minute, you said the world was going to end on on March 7th and here we are in April and the world hasn't ended yet. And then you can see just all the different times. So, so my point is that, that you're seeing just all of this additional conspiracy stuff in general, mostly because of the wonderful egalitarian, anyone can be a publisher opportunity that is the internet. Now, you know yeah. that there's actual research behind that where I love it when they have a date where they where yeah. a date comes and goes, because my favorite conspiracy theory was December 12th, 2012 or December 21st, 2012, when that uh, the world was going to end because of the Mayan calendar. Mm -hmm. That was when the big, you know, the big Mayan calendar thing was going to end. And they when they have a date and then it passes where nothing happens, happens. They've done research on this with people from like cults and whatever that, that believe in the end of the world. They the people involved still managed to rationalize that they were right yeah. uh, in whatever whatever psychology there's like all kind of psychology psychological reasons why they do this but it's they, they still don't give up on the idea even faced with the reality that their prediction didn't yeah. work so yeah exactly yeah and so to sort of uh, you know I, I know i sort of bowled over dustin's original uh favorite uh conspiracy theory this idea that aliens are are visiting the earth and 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 you see every flavor of this, right? Again, there are some YouTube channels which they just – they'll go into detail about all these different things about what's going on in Area 51 and, and what these weird structures are on the moon and and interesting things that are being found on Mars and things that NASA can't explain and – and cherry picking all of this stuff and, and, and some even fairly legitimate things like really interesting, um, secret videos that the U S air force had released of UFOs and all this kind of stuff and sort of just like, just, just throwing it at people mm -hmm. rapid fire, but not kind of going and how do we know? And how do we know? And how do we know if this is true or not? What is our method for determining if this stuff is true? And so it all just sinks into history as they just keep bringing up a new video that says, hey, here's a bunch of new interesting weird things that we've heard about or found out and a weird story that a guy told me. Uh, and then the next day it's the same thing. And 
nothing is more is just shows this off better than what's going on with with aliens and and the people's absolute certainty that the earth is being visited by aliens so let me um let me step in then and you know here's the thing is i think that a lot of the people that believe in many of these i mean where you're talking about the moon landing or flat earth or area 51 a lot of these people are incredibly intelligent people i don't think that it's just like something you can write off as oh well it's just stupid people that believe that i think that if you look at what people are putting out there i think you're right it's like they're looking for answers and maybe those answers are coming from the wrong places like the um the YouTube videos that just anyone can put up and whether it's being done for, you know, monetization reasons or, or whatever, I think that people are getting information and it's hard to tell which information is believable and which information is not. But let's look at, you know, just this, this area 51 idea or the, the aliens on earth idea. And let me kind of say the reasons I think that people believe this. And I think some of them are valid reasons and they may even be the same reasons they should not believe this, but I want to hear what you, what you two think. So for instance, like with, with aliens being here on earth, I don't think any of the three of us, or at least my, (laughs) my guess would be that the three of us probably would not say that there's 0% chance that there's life somewhere out there in the universe. I mean, this is a big, big place. And, you know, mathematically, it's damn near impossible. There's not something out there. I'm not saying there's humans walking around on another planet, especially Mars or, or anything like that. But this is a big place. And I think that that's what people attach the idea to is that if this is such a massive place, if this is one planet in one solar system, in one galaxy, and we know of you know, all of these hundreds of millions or billions of galaxies, then how is it that aliens have not been to Earth? It's such a big place. How is that possible? And I want to hear your answers on that. Well, I mean, you are getting at one of the most puzzling conundras in human history, this as you said, the universe is old and the universe Conundras. is big. Yeah. <laughs> the universe is big and the universe is old and the and and it appears that life on Earth started almost immediately as soon as there was like a cool down rock that a bug could stand on that that and that Earth is by no means one of the first planets to come along to have these kinds of conditions. There should be life everywhere. We should know you know, there should be aliens buzzing around in the skies at all times. And yet, to the best of our ability, the searches that we have done so far, no evidence has turned up. This is, of course, the Fermi paradox. It is one of the most vexing mysteries. And I really feel like anyone who isn't troubled deep down in their core by the Fermi paradox just like hasn't thought about it enough. So it is absolutely a gigantic concern on everyone's on everyone's mind. I think many scientists as well are genuinely just wonder like where are the aliens because they should be everywhere for sure. See, I don't know. I don't agree with that at all. I, I think the more I've studied this, the more I think that's crap because I don't think that just because they're they're so the universe is so big and that it is so 
um, uh, full of stars and planets and galaxies that there has to be life elsewhere. I don't think that follows. I don't think one follows from the other. In fact, if you use things like the Drake equation, which everybody tries to do, and they, they plug in all their little numbers and they come out with their multiplication and they come out with, gee, there should be so many billions of civilizations out there. If you use it properly, if you use it in a way that actually reflects what we know about each of those parameters, it's entirely possible that the paradox goes away. Oh, I, I, I think so. I mean, my opinion, my belief on the solution to the Fermi paradox is that we are alone because every other possibility seems impossible that, that yes. any other form of where oh. life could be, we would see some kind of evidence of it. They'd be here. Oh, I was hoping be... to get into a fight with you about that. I thought you were going to tell me. <laughs> no, no, no. I tend, I tend to, I tend to fight people. That's the, you know, I tend to, to find the people who haven't thought about the Fermi paradox deeply enough and, and corner them until they, until they give in. So no, no, no. I think uh, you and I are probably uh, per- in perfect agreement on this. Yeah. Okay. okay, so so you're both saying – I just want to make sure I understand. So you're both saying that we are alone not in the solar system but in the entire universe. It's certainly possible. It's yeah. not – not, there's not a not, – it's not a non-zero probability. That's for sure. I mean that's, it's do you, definite. Do you think that's more likely than the scale of the universe being the culprit here and nothing being able to travel faster than the speed of light and how young the, the, not only the universe, but how young humanity is. I mean, well, don't, how I long mean, has, I mean, one, I do, I definitely appreciate an opportunity to go down the Fermi paradox rabbit hole, uh, as opposed to the, the conspiracy theory, uh, direction that we were going and i i can i can churn for hours on this if you if you want um but the i mean the biggest thing about this is just that that nothing under the laws of physics would stop over a long enough period of time things moving from place to place and if you have one star system anywhere across the entire galaxy that 100 to 400 billion stars in the milky way given enough time and there has definitely been enough time they should be able to send some kind of self-replicating robot probe something to other star systems we're on the verge of this today getting to a point where we can start to, you know, 100 years, 200 years, 1,000 years, we will get to a point where we can start to send factories to other star systems to make more life there. And so it feels like, you know, Oumuamua, we've seen an asteroid, just a stupid rock make the trip from star to star. So you would imagine that a, a, and it doesn't matter where you start, you start anywhere in the entire Milky Way, give yourself about 10 million years and you've colonized the entire Milky Way from from stem to stern. So that's so what, how how close is the nearest uh star to us? I mean other than the sun. Four and a half light years. Four and a half light years. Mm-hmm. And humanity, I guess, would you know, we've been able so with like radio technology and and really the science has progressed, I'd say probably the last what, 150 years is the only thing we should even make mention of as far as detecting um, you know, other life forms out there. Right? I mean if Yeah. Because you're not going to do it when you're, you know, you're in a cave or anything like that. You're not going to be sending out signals into space or accepting signals from space. Um, so maybe for the last, let's say, 150 years, to be generous, in 150 years, in the closest neighbor is four and a half light years away. How how can we say that time is our friend in that? Well, even as I said, you know, if a rock can make the trip. We can, and there are plans in the works right now that you could theoretically send a spacecraft that would take a hundred years to make the trip. 
Uh, maybe you, maybe it takes a thousand years, but the point is that a thousand years is a drop in the bucket for the fourteen billion years that the universe has has been around. So there's just been many many opportunities for someone to crack this problem, and sure, and so the 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 sort of the next step of this is that we're we are right on the edge now when you look at at the kinds of telescopes that are being built the kinds of of radio telescopes that are being built to start scanning the surfaces and the atmospheres of other worlds to detect the mm -hmm. presence of of life on them and one big telescope that's in the works right now the Louvoir telescope should you know we hope is going to launch you know sometime in the 2030s it will have such an ability to scan the atmospheres of other planets that it should tell us within about a 90% probability whether or not we're alone in the universe. So, oh, so wow. this is a scientific question that is on the verge of being mostly answered. Um, and, and, and so then, you know, to kind of take it back to this whole thing of conspiracy theories, right, that people think that, that it's so unusual that there must be aliens out there that we are being that we are being visited and that the reason why we don't know that we're being that regular people don't know that we're being visited is that there is some conspiracy cover up that is that is keeping this evidence out of the public yeah and that and I'm, that i think stems from uh you could go back to i think it's 1947 when there was this roswell incident where this uh, aircraft or something had crashed and there was this very bizarre incident where the, the newspaper published what looked like spacecraft parts and uh, suddenly all of it was gone. People who were involved with the story were suddenly told to stop, to stop talking and to, and all, all of this cover up appeared to be happening. And so the conspiracy there is, well, there was a visitation right there that the government started to cover up. And that I think there was, a, if you think about the context of the time, this was the Cold War. Or this is right after World War II. This, it's a, also increasingly, it's ex ex equally plausible to expect that maybe the government did, in fact, have something to hide, mm -hmm. but it wasn't necessarily aliens, right? This may have been something that there was a top secret project of some kind that they were working on with respect to the Cold War and wanted to hide all of that evidence yeah. that way. So there are other equally plausible explanations for what happened that day, but a distrust of the government started, I think, with the nuclear age. It scared the bejesus out of everybody, the atomic bomb. It should. Scientists it still does. Were, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It still does. Yeah, and absolutely. it was a big fear of yeah. Carl Sagan's throughout his life. He thought that we were all, he was worried that we were going to be destroying ourselves with nuclear weapons. It still may happen. But that, that fear, uh, because scientists were building this thing and they didn't seem to care really one way or another what was going to happen with their result, there became a distrust in both government and in science, and it became easy to tr to not believe what they said and yeah. to try and look for other other explanations. And in the case of the life in the universe, Area 51, <laughs> I think it's all military equipment. The military industrial complex is huge in this country, mm -hmm. and they have a lot of things they don't want the general public to see. And it's easy to go from that to aliens. Yeah, and I what think it's yeah, and I think it's perfectly reasonable to say that the government is hiding things from the general pop public. We see because examples. they are they probably because they are and they, they do right. Are. Yeah, yeah and, right. <laughs> you know, and you see, and and it's also completely reasonable to say that the government is developing advanced weaponry and technology 
to that people are 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 unaware of things like stealth fighters, stealth bombers, and who knows what interesting technologies they're they're working on today. These none of these things are are unbelievable, right? But but the but I think the point that's that's really important is just whenever anyone makes a truth claim, right? That these are aliens, then then your response has to be how do you know? Right? That's always my but clearly, question. Yeah, no, but Fraser, clearly that's not what's going on. People do not say that. That's how these these conspiracy conspiracy theories sure. grow. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. And no, so, was, it's a lack of people asking that question. How do you know? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, but you see that, I mean, yeah. even and this is back, I think, to your original point, uh, was that, you know, very intelligent people believe some things that they don't have good evidence for the thing that they believe. And you can even see this with scientists. With, you know, scientists are trained in this idea of reproducibility and, and falsifiability and making sure that there is appropriate evidence to support the thing that you're claiming. And they can many times make a mistake where they think they have evidence, they think they're reproducing what they're doing, but in fact, they made some mistakes and there was, right? And that is the scientific process that, that goes and grinds against these truth claims until only the ones that can withstand scrutiny can, can hold up. And I think at the end of the day, it is it is about people making a truth claim, saying, here's a thing that's true, but not having enough evidence to support the thing that they say is is true. And so I always ask people, how do you, you know, I, you know, I know a guy who saw an alien. I'm like, okay, so, so, so that is the evidence, you know. You're telling me that you know a person who saw a thing, right? Unfortunately, that's not enough evidence for me to also believe this thing that you have just said. And and I find that my response to these to these kinds of situations is to just say, like, hey, like first, let's make sure we're on the same playing field here, right? I believe I would love to find evidence of aliens more than anyone else that more than you, right? I want to know. It is the most important question. I spend hours every day, every week, thinking about this, answering people's questions about this, and just really, right? All it is is that for the most important question that a human being can ask, are we alone in the universe? When I have an answer, I want to know that that answer is the right answer, right? And so the only way that I'm going to know that answer is the right answer is if the evidence is rock solid. It's like I come to you and I say, hey, by the way, did you know that you're a millionaire? And you're like, whoa, I'm a millionaire? Yeah, yeah. I I have a friend who told me that you're a millionaire. And so now you must be a millionaire. And you're like, well, right. can I see my, my bank statement? Well, let's not don't look at that. Let's not think too much about this. Let's not let's not be skeptical, right? <laughs> don't overthink that's, it, man. Don't overthink yeah, it. That's, and, and that part's a, not important. <laughs> and as a millionaire, I was thinking maybe you should take me out for lunch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't believe this person or their friend. See, I would just jump right in. Everything I'm told, I believe. Yeah, perfect. Everything. Yeah. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. So you're, you're I, the ideal I definitely believe take, the friend. Right. I can't wait for <laughs> us to go out for lunch. Yeah. Okay. Well, then let's make the transition from that statement of I need some kind of – I need a little bit more evidence to support what you're saying to those that do think they have the evidence that supports what they're saying. And, I, and that brings me to Flat Earth. Uh, the flat earth people, uh, these are people who believe that the earth is flat 
and that it is not in fact round and that they have, they say, very good observational evidence. They've even, they've even got a whole slew of experiments that show that what they think is true. What about, mm. so it's not enough to just say, well, I need, I need a better, I need corroborating observations or experiments that show me what you're doing. The, these need to be in the proper context because you can design an experiment apparently that proves that the earth is flat to the extent that people, lots and lots of them mm -hmm. will believe the results of that experiment. So it's got to be a little bit more than well, just, well, do you have an experiment? I don't think so. I mean, I think that when you look at the kinds of experiments that they are demonstrating, you know, the one that they do, which is like you stand on the ground and you look around and the earth doesn't curve, or you stand on a mountain or you get in an airplane, and you look around and the earth doesn't curve. Therefore, we live on a flat earth, right? That is, that is insufficient. And it's relatively easy to be able to, to do the math to show how much curvature would be expected from any one of those situations. And, and then relatively easy to demonstrate examples of, of how their experiment is, is incorrect. So I think that when a person, uh, you know, asserts an experiment that they say is incorrect, but they are unwilling to change their mind when another experiment shows that their experiment is wrong, uh, that's when they are no longer open to evidence. They are no longer interested in finding the truth. They are interested in for whatever reason, and I don't really understand why, um, but it tends to s back to this distrust of the government and an us versus them. There's some there's something romantic about being the um, the plucky uh, conspiracy theorist against the forces arrayed against you. They don't. They won't accept, and they won't change their mind when when evidence is is brought to them. Right. So I don't. Well, I don't think that's true. I think it's. I think it's just. It's an, an incomplete experiment, and an unwillingness to accept the better the evidence from better experiments. I think it. You know. I think it. It starts from a place of curiosity, but also, I don't think that it has anything. It doesn't have any effect on people's day to day lives. So they're matching, you know, how much do I really want to dig into this with, you know, like, does it affect me at all? So it's interesting when you're on an airplane and you look out and you can say, I don't see any curvature. And that's a logical, you know, that's a logical question. Like, why don't I see any curvature from 30,000 feet in the air or whatever it is? And I think that that starting there is a really good place to start. Mm -hmm. But then asking someone to say, no, go home, do all of the math, figure out how big the earth is, how far away you would have to be to really see curve. Like that's asking too much for people that this does not in any way affect their day-to-day -day living. And getting on an airplane and seeing that I think is probably about the extent of where it says like this applies to me. And I think that that's what kind of happens is it's not like, oh, I just, I don't give a shit beyond this point. It's just, they're kind of matching their interest to, you know, how much does it really affect me? And then somehow it turns into an argument from there that the argument itself becomes the interesting part, not the, you know, not the, oh, I want the facts. At least that's what it looks like from the debates that you see on. Yeah. And, and the part that's also very interesting to me is the level of anger that seems Absolutely. To, to come with it. Like, like I tend to find when I'm having some discussion with somebody 
where they're they are loosely you know their beliefs are loosely held and so you can you can show a person some evidence and it will change their mind that's a fairly entertaining conversation to have with somebody and nobody gets their feelings hurt when evidence goes either way but i find that that there is and and this could just be part of sort of the culture of the way these arguments are are presented but if you go and and i find like a lot of the comments that i get are are really angry like like i get death threats on my space channel because i'm talking about space and but but because I am talking about a an Earth that is a sphere, um, I am part of this global conspiracy, and I am worthy of their hatred. And that is a thing that I find really toxic. Is what's this about, right? Like where what is being? And I think that the, when you dig into that, there are some ulterior motives that are going on um, with that that they see some of the issues of science as a direct conflict to some of their own more personal spiritual beliefs. I'm not sure exactly what you know, I haven't spent a lot of time. In fact, this is something that I actually want to do at some point is interview somebody who's so mad at me, right? I'm like, I think the earth is cool and it's in space. And then they send me this just screed. I'd like to just interview them. They're like, okay, so what, wait a minute. So why are you so mad? Well, what's this about? Um, and I, there's, so there is something there. Uh, something is riling people up. And they are they are venting on the places that they can, where they think they can cause pain to people who believe things that are different from them. Well, let me tell you where I think this is coming from. I think that is part of a much bigger picture. And here's the real damage that conspiracy theories do. When a person is out trying to find out about the world, let's say they're, they, they may not have had a very good science education, which is a completely different conversation, but I think is related to this in, in a in sense that we don't all have a good think grounding in how we think about the natural world, but we go out and we look for answers and we stumble upon a conspiracy theory that happens to make as much sense to you that you actually accept it. And you don't go out and do the experiments. You just to trust that as an authority and something has clicked in your brain that this is the way the world is. It makes sense to me. And I am going to subscribe to this, to this idea of the way the world is now. Any, any other evidence that comes to us is going to be subject to that confirmation bias. We're going to immediately reject because we have become, this is the way of our world. Now, when we think of, when we see ideas that don't agree with ours, we tend to still hold on to the ones that we've got in spite of direct facts and evidence against the, the against the things that we believe in. And so there's that confirmation bias you've got to overcome, but it gets even more insidious because when, what, do a, I have you talk about anger? Mm -hmm. I have seen anger coming from science communicators like I have never seen before. The bigger names in science communication, and Fraser, you're a big name, but I'm, there's bigger than you, right? There's bigger <laughs> science communicators than all of us. These guys are out there telling other people that what they believe is not only wrong, but that science is the only way we're ever going to know about the world we live in. And if you don't follow it, then you're wrong 
and they become very belligerent. And I don't want to mm-hmm. get into details about what they say and who says it, but I can tell you now there's a name for it and it's called scientism and it really pisses people off <laughs> Yeah, when they hear a scientist in their face telling them that not only is science the source of all knowledge in the world, but it can prove and it will prove, it has proved that God doesn't exist and it will, it will prove it is the only thing that's right. Everything else, there's no other source of knowledge. Well, that makes people mad, right? And it makes them it makes them vent in the same exact way that you're talking about. You and you and I come from a world of science. Well, you and I talk in scientific terms. We are trying to get others to understand the world around us in the context and the framework of the scientific method, such as as it is. And we are these are we've contacted these people. We've stumbled upon these people who have come across the conspiracy theory that they currently hold fighting their confirmation bias. And so uh, that's where I think it comes from. And I think science communicators do themselves no service by being that belligerent. The only name I'll mention is Richard Dawkins. He is the one I think that does some of the most damage I have ever seen when it comes to communicating science. And I think that, I mean, I think that, that there was a time, you know, when I was really proud to be part of the skeptic community and because you really yes. felt I like I don't was, think I know where you're going. Yeah, there was this time when it was just like finally, right? Carl Sagan wrote things like Demon Haunted World, and you were like, finally, someone is standing up and saying these things that you believe, you don't have enough evidence for you to believe them. And in fact, these things that you're believing are causing are dangerous that that we're seeing the rise of anti-vaccination and we're seeing the rise of, of various things that can be, that can, that can, that can lead to dangerous outcomes, but it, and it, but it shifted somehow to people being assholes. And I think that, that, that is the line. And I mean, that's true, you know, and I think that, that if you become an asshole, you not, you're, you're not going to, make your point to the person that you're trying to make and people who are on the sidelines and are watching the conversation that you're having, they're not going to appreciate and really sort of fall for you because they, because it feels like you're, you're playing dirty. And I think one of the things that I take a real pride in, and maybe it's just because I'm a gentle, you know, apologizing Canadian is, you know, I'm, I just take all the stuff in stride, you know, someone, you know, writes this gigantic screed and and tells me that I'm part of the alien conspiracy and hiding stuff and blah blah blah. And I just say, hey, like I'm I agree with you that that finding evidence of aliens is the most important thing that we can possibly do. I can't wait for us to find aliens. It's just that you and I seem to have a different um, amount of evidence that it takes to convince us of a thing. You are fine with someone telling you that they saw a thing. I want to be able to walk into the to the spaceship and and have you know use a mass spectrometer and make sure that that that, that it's really a spaceship. But but keep searching, right? Just don't be don't be mean to me. Right. right. Why do you gotta be right. mean to me? And and See, I think and, that why you gotta be so mean? <laughs> yeah, why you gotta be so mean to me? Right? Like you love aliens. I love aliens. Why can't we both search for aliens and and enjoy this journey? And 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 for some and and I think that for sure the skeptic community has has done a lot of damage to itself in the way it has treated alternative theories. And I think alternative theories have done a ton of damage as well in the way they are they are damaging a respect for science. And I think that, that both are, it's, it is unfortunate 
And I think that you need to, we as science communicators need to do a much better job of, of walking that journey in the, in the minefield and not getting upset when people attempt to, you know, you know, pull fast ones and be assholes to us to not rise to that occasion. And, and I like to think, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a, one of my questions, I do a question show every week. And my next one is the hater special. And just me reading a collection of hater comments. And, and people enjoy it when I do those, you know, I do those every couple of weeks on my question show. And people are like, how do you right. not get upset about this kind of stuff? Okay, let's try an experiment, guys. I want to do something about experiment. I want to do something about conspiracy theories here. Let's pretend for a minute that I am a big proponent of Nibiru. I think that Nibiru is real. It is the planet the size of Neptune, and NASA is not only hiding it from us, but it is coming straight at us. How would you try to convince me that I may be mistaken? So let me start with you. I, I, I've so Fraser, I watch your Q and A show, and I think it's great. And and I have a question. Does uh, I've heard that there was you know that there's these that, that there's these aliens communicating with people here on Earth who have said to us that there is a planet called Nibiru. It's the size of Neptune in our solar system, and that it will and is on track to collide with our. Earth. And it's it's yeah. supposed to do it in yeah. twenty twelve. Yeah, it's soon, right? It's yeah, supposed to happen well, soon. it's soon. Yeah, yeah it's it's, it's always going to happen in in twenty twelve. It's going to happen in two thousand and one. I think is when it, we first yeah, heard exactly. about this. Right? Well, now now yeah. it was going to it was it happened in twenty it was going to happen in twenty twelve. They later said it's going to happen in twenty seventeen. Yeah, uh, but it's still it's still out there. Yeah. and it might be. Is it Planet Nine? Is it Planet X? Uh, why is NASA hiding yeah. this planet from us? Right, and and so I mean, this is a great example, right, of of a thing that that you as a enthusiast, a a hidden planet enthusiast, can prove for yourself. And it is, I think, it's really important to say, hey, you know. You can go out to I, – I wish I knew of a place you could buy telescopes from. There's got to be a place, a company. You can go yeah, and you I can buy know. a powerful out there. telescope. Right. <laughs> you don't have to spend very much money. Or you can just borrow some friend's telescope. You can scan the skies and you can absolutely see an object the size of Neptune uh, anywhere – beyond the orbit of Neptune. Um, no, you know, no Neptune. I can't because NASA NASA is hiding it from yeah. me. Don't you yeah. understand? We, I cannot yeah. go we buy it. We do a get that regularly. And we actually put quotes together for people that do it. Like our pro services team will the build- The neighbor find yeah, it? Yeah, they'll build it out. And they're like, well, listen, it's yeah. got to be big. You probably need a two meter. And uh, we're going to get these gold plated for you. You know, you're going to look in IR as well. And they'll build the whole quote, man. Send them a quote for $3 million. It doesn't have to be a three. No, okay. I mean, to see an object that is the size of Neptune that is moving on a collision course with the Earth or to come reasonably close is an object that is going to be very bright in the sky. One of the brightest, as bright as Jupiter, as bright as Venus. It's going to be incredibly bright. There would be visual evidence and nobody can hide that from you. You all you have to do is be willing to to go outside and and look either with your eyeballs or with a telescope. And I mean that that idea of like NASA is hiding it from me is shows that they that they that they don't understand the scale of the international astronomical community, the number of telescopes run by the number of different countries and research institutions and governments and 
and private institutions and space agencies and then just regular human beings, right? Uh, Dustin, I'm sure, has three or four Nibiru finders at his disposal at, at any time. So, so that is like when I get that comment, I say, hey, you know, here is – here is, and I think this is the important part, as I say, here is some evidence. If this thing was true, here is the evidence that you would see. And then if a person says, yeah, but NASA, then the conversation is over, right? Because because you, a person said, give me evidence no. for a thing that I believe. And you say, here is evidence for the thing that you believe. And they go, I don't no, believe evidence. <laughs> In, my, in our little role play there, what yeah. I was hoping you would say to me is when I said NASA is hiding it, you would ask me then, well, how are they hiding it? How is NASA hiding this planet from you? And then I would have to come up with that answer. And I don't know how Na I don't, they don't have answers. Well, for I why. mean, they, sure they do. Well, of so, course they do. Yeah, yeah, no, like like conspiracy. But that's well, right? yes, but they but but how how exactly are they hiding this planet? And they just are. If you right? knew, the then answer. it wouldn't and be a conspiracy. That's that's how <laughs> right? deep that's right. the distrust is, though. The di the distrust yeah, is. That's yeah. exactly right. Right. That's that's right. I mean, I and, get this. So I get this conversation a lot with people where they say, like, you know, humans aren't flying to space. There's no such thing as as you know, you know, the Earth is flat. Whatever. And I say, okay, well, let's at least try and figure out what you believe and what you don't believe. I want to just try and understand the per, the parameter space of this. And I'll say, okay, so do you believe that the Earth is round? And they'll say, yes. Okay, great. And then do you believe that there are satellites? And they'll say, no. I'm like, okay, great. How do satellite dishes work, right? Because you point, you take a satellite dish and you point it at a spot in space and your television works and you move it a little bit and your television doesn't work. What is it about pointing your satellite dish at a spot in space makes television go? do you think that the international space station is a thing? And they go, no. And I'm like, well, you know, you can, you know, when the space station is going to fly overhead, you can go outside, you can look up with your own eyeballs. And in fact, if you have a good telescope, you can take amazing pictures of the international yeah, space see the station. Solar you can panels. see its shape. Yeah. You can see the solar panels and the radios. You can see which spacecraft are docked to the space station right now. You can look at it with a pair of binoculars and see that tie fighter shape. So, so I like to take it, down specifically to sort of have this this specific conversation with them about these different aspects of it and if and if that is not fruitful if 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 it is if the anger remains if the unwillingness to examine or consider evidence remains then you're at an impasse because you and you've got to understand that this conversation is over because you're saying right? that you know you, they're asking for evidence but if at the point you bring in here's the evidence and their distrust still overrides that then it's really not a question of evidence in the first place there's no getting around it right yeah exactly that's right yeah well and that was yeah that's where I was hoping we go with this because it becomes a point where what Fraser is talking about is doomed to fail in almost every case because it's not about that it's not about whether you are fact based or observation based there's there's an emotional reason you're attached to this viewpoint and it comes I think down to a distrust of the standard scientific community and there is simply suspect information out there you don't you don't know why because you're not scientifically trained but these scientists keep telling you over and over and over again how right mm -hmm. they are and how this is the way things are and they're doing it in a way that's pissing you off and you just don't like it and that's why you're doomed to fail yeah. and so i think it's science communicators responsibility to try and 
reach these people from where they are in an honest way. They'll either listen or they won't, but you've got to, you've got to get out of this belligerent attitude totally. that everything they think is bullshit. Yeah. And that, you know, it has been the, the science has first. Well, you guys, right? you guys yeah. both say yeah. that, right? Let them be the ass. You guys both say that, then, but we started this conversation with both of you telling me that the aliens I want to be here are not here. So both of you are the assholes you're talking about. Fraser Kane, asshole. And Tony Darnell, asshole. <laughs> That's all I'm seeing. That's all I'm seeing. <laughs> That's all you're hearing. Uh, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> well, I was trying to tell you why I don't think there is life in the universe and why I think it's perfectly reasonable <laughs> to not have life right. in the universe. I just want uh, aliens here, but, man. Uh, I don't care about the rest. Yeah, I, I want to see. Dude, whenever you want to have that episode about the Fermi paradox, we can get in I think it. You, yeah, that would be it's, a good uh, one. That would be a really yeah. good one. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great yeah, conversation because, because most people, when they have a response to the Fermi paradox, you hit upon one of them, right? Either aliens can't travel or communicate beyond their star or they don't want to. That is, those are the two answers that everyone comes up with. And when you really dig into both of those, neither of them hold up. But, well, well, for me, it's just the time component. I mean, I, I do want to dig into it, but for me, it's just the time. I just don't think there's been a lot of time here for us to accept or send signals, you know, and those signals would not be very far and we wouldn't be getting them from many places in the very short time that we've been technologically advanced enough to do it. Uh, oxygen in the Earth's atmosphere has been un unnaturally large, generated by life for 500 million years. Yeah, but right. I mean, the fish aren't going to fucking receive a signal. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Well, no, no, no. But the point is, no, no, no. Any alien civilization that has a telescope can look at Earth. Oh, I got you. From I got within you. Yeah, 500 right. million light yeah. years of Earth and see the fact that there is life here on Earth. Uh, within the last, say, 10,000 years, there would be evidence of humans pollution uh it, to various forms in the in the atmosphere we are on the verge of building telescopes that are powerful enough we are that will allow us to observe these kinds of things there's there's plans in the works to build telescopes that will detect uh photosynthesis on other planets uh detect the, the different kinds of gases in the atmospheres and you would think that if we pathetic you know human beings right. in the 21st century can can be on the verge of this that an alien civilization that's been around for for billions of years would have developed this technology as as well so what about so that's the, what about the math again, though because i know that like you you have an appreciation for that right like what what about the math just says with these numbers how is it possible that it can even be a consideration there wouldn't be other life in the universe that's why it's a paradox right right yeah, and there's two real issues here. The, the, the commonality of life question is one thing, where is life common in the universe? Well, what do you mean by life? Well, we mean, you know, we can mean simple life, we can mean bacterial, microbial life, things like that. Is it possible, is it easy to go from a set of ingredients, all of which is in a primordial soup, but nothing in it is alive, going from that step to something that is alive, is that an easy step or a hard step? And I've talked to enough biologists now to realize where I think that that step is easier than I initially thought it was. I think that it's a gradual process. It's not a spark. You don't go from being in a primordial soup to suddenly having life. It's a it's a it's a story of more more complicated chemistry as we go along, and then eventually you have something that metabolizes and does all the thing life does. That's one thing. Is that everywhere in the universe? I'm inclined to think that might be very common. 
uh, we'll find that in lots and lots of places. Well, we got to do that podcast. But that, that, that whole thing just sounds so interesting. Sure. Anytime. Yes, but, anywhere. But is, but is that, is that though, simple life, that's, that's interesting, sure, but it's nowhere near as interesting as is there other civilizations. Right. It, it, to me, yeah. it's as far away as going from that step of life to a civilization as it is to go from, you know, being a, a, a hydrogen atom in the universe to having a fully formed planet. It's a big yeah. step. A lot of things have to happen along the way before you get not only a civilization, but a one that can survive space. I don't. I also happen to be a proponent that we are not going to do well out in Mars. I think we're going. I think it's going to kill us. <laughs> so I don't think going to space is going to help us very much in terms of propagating the species. So there's a lot of things, and that's a big, a big step. So civilizations are. I can easily imagine a universe without any. Right. Very easily. Yeah, I. I mean, yeah, I think you and I probably agree on Mars being a terrible place. I think <laughs> there are all kinds of benefits being for a terrible colonies. place. Mars is the worst. Um, I mean, I don't Venus, see. I don't see how we survive it. I don't. Right, but I. But I think that. But I think there are so many benefits to actually going to space when you when you think about how we are polluting planet Earth. Uh, and we're literally just living in our own filth that there are all kinds of benefits to harvesting our resources from space to to doing our heavy manufacturing heavy industry getting our power and stuff like i think we can learn to use space in a way to make earth the best place in the universe and that's what that's really what what space is for is like a great big i couldn't agree more i think that's a yep I think that's great. I have, and, and as one big resource hall, we'll grab yeah, all the natural big, resources. We have, we have, we have thirteen. Well, really, we have forty-six billion light years in all in in all directions of just like stuff we can use to make Earth just better and better and better. I couldn't agree more. I think that's a good use of space. I am not at all convinced that putting human beings out there is going to do us any good at all. And if Ray Kurzweil is right, and you believe in the singularity and that we will all one day be in android bodies, that's a different question. <laughs> well, but, but then but, you just say, where are all the alien robots? Like, it still doesn't solve the Fermi uh, paradox. Uh, oh, no, it doesn't solve that. Yeah. But it does. Um, but on the question of whether we should go into space or not, it does change things quite a, quite a bit. Um, but yes, it doesn't say anything about why where is everybody for sure <laughs> so there so, you go we've um, got two more debate another debate we can yeah, have about uh, yeah, whether what's cranking. what's the value of exploring space let's yeah. let's tackle exactly. the big one this is probably whenever whenever somebody thinks about conspiracy theories the first one that's going to come to their mind is the moon landing um this is one I know I get this all the time through Instagram on the Gibson Picks page all the time. People asking me, for one, if I can see the footprints through my telescope and if they're real. But uh, Fraser, I'd imagine you probably get it every 15 minutes. Of course. What? So, so where do you go? Where do you go from there? Because people have all this. I mean, it's just the same thing. YouTube videos saying the flag's waving and all this stuff. Like, yeah. So where do you go? How do you how do you get through to people that so, don't understand? Yeah, I mean that's another situation where you see this anger, right? There is there is this palpable rage from people about about the moon landings. Well, if you that, were lied to in that, that way, there's reason to be pissed. Yeah. So if they believe it, yeah, sure. I'd be pissed too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, but typically my first response is like if the person is being an asshole, I generally block them. Right. Like that's like, I just like, I don't want, I don't want to have that kind of toxicity on my channel. Like if you're going to, if you're going to come out swinging at me and making insults and, 
and just really being a mean person, then my first move is just go goodbye. Like we don't need to yeah, have I a conversation. Same, I do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, and I think that for a lot of people that's like, oh, you know, you're being, you're censoring or whatever. But no, I mean, you know, think about your house. If it comes in, just starts yelling at you. You can say, hey, could you leave please? Right. I think it's yeah, okay yeah. to say, you know what? You, we don't need to have this conversation here in my house. You can go have that conversation wherever you want, as long as it's not in my house. Um, but, but, the, but I think that that then it's back to it's the same thing about the flat earth it's the same thing with aliens and you say um but i mean it's different right Be, you know so sorry with the flat earth it's is that you are saying okay well here's some evidence right there are these retro reflectors that the the apollo astronauts placed on the moon that you can shoot a laser at a very specific part of the moon and you get you get a bounce back that you wouldn't get from just the moon itself that the entire international community, including the Soviets who were in a race and essentially the enemies of the United States, were tracking the flights of the Apollo missions and congratulated the Americans on landing on the moon and gave up their own attempts to, to land on the moon. That there are hundreds of kilograms of moon rocks that have been returned back to Earth and have been analyzed by thousands of scientists on Earth with an expertise in what a moon rock should look like. And no one has said, hey, these aren't moon rocks. Um, these were made from a soundstage in Hollywood, right? So, 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 and then you say, what about all these pieces, these independent pieces of evidence? And they go, but conspiracy, then again, the conversation is over. <laughs> yeah. But the right? flag, well, right? I think people give, they're, they're going to say, well, yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but why is the flag waving? Why are the things that I've seen, why are those there? Because those are evidence too in their mind, right? And you can explain each one of those in a, in a like, why is the flag moving? There's no air in space. The gravity of the moon is still pulling it down. You push the flag one way and it's going to bounce back to its original spot and, and it's going to vibrate for a little while. Why don't you see the stars? Because cameras need to... Dynamic you have to range, pick the right? aperture of the camera and they, yeah. they can only gather a certain amount of dynamic range and you can di you can show them right like sit in front of your window and notice how badly your camera works in in picking up features on your face because of dynamic range and so you can address each one of the the pieces of evidence that they say with an explanation for why their position on this is is incorrect but if their response again is is a set is anger and but conspiracy then again the conversation is over there's no point having this conversation if if you're attempting to use evidence with a person who is uninterested in examining evidence then you cannot have a conversation and and there's no fruitful like it's, it's better to just go like i don't have anything to say about this to you because this isn't going to be fun for anyone so yeah there's thanks. clearly an emotional an yeah. emotional attachment to this viewpoint that's a bit irrational and isn't and so appealing to rationality isn't going to so work. So how do you think you go about it then, right? If what you're saying we try to do doesn't work, then what do you do? Do you just say, okay, these people are just going to believe what they're going to believe and that's the extent of it? Because mm -hmm. it's a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, look at the numbers yeah. on those videos. Sure. Yeah, totally. They They do way better than my videos do. Right. So if it's that uh, many people, do we really just say, oh, you just don't do anything. You just let them, you know, like just let it you... be. Well, there are you plenty know, Dustin, of people. I... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that this, that's a big problem. And it's a big problem that is going to, that I think has, is going to need a big solution. And I think that the reason this is 
you know, it's, it's so prevalent in, in our society. And, and by and large, I don't know, but I, th- I have a hunch that this is mostly an American thing. Uh, these conspiracy ideas. I don't hear a lot of other countries. No, going they're on all over about the world. This. No, no, they're everywhere. Okay. Well, okay. But it, it, but my, 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 my theory on this has to come, it comes down to whether or not we've had, we've had, as we were growing up, a good, ba- a good training in science, whether we had an education that allowed us to question things in a rational way or to look at evidence in a way that is practical for our daily lives. In America, at least, I can tell you that we don't get that education as much as we should. And I think that's part of it. I think that the, the education system is designed such that science is not valued at the level where it's important. And I, I think, think it comes back to your, to your distrust of the government, the distrust yeah. of authority, the, the, this sort of, uh, crashing between people believing what they want to believe and for, for whatever reasons that they have and, uh, and other people telling them things that contradict the beliefs that they have and their response to it being anger and, and uh, and lashing out and and really i i think i feel like this time that we're in is this time when for literally the first time in human history cultures from around the world could just throw their ideas at each other without any kind of filter in between that i can go onto a i can play a game a video game and have people swear at me um from around the world as as i you know because i haven't healed them quickly enough or whatever that that we have never experienced what it's like to be connected mind to mind to all of humanity including people that that drastically disagree with the things that that you believe in and we are going to have to go through this time where we learn to get along, where we smooth off the rough edges that people learn that, in fact, being an asshole doesn't work and you need to stop behaving that way. That, And I think that we're going to go 10, 20, 30 years into the future and we will have solved most of these problems that, that if people are – generally being assholes, they're going to have a harder time being able to have their ideas heard in the marketplace of ideas, that people are going to learn to behave themselves, and we are going to move to a, a better place. But we are just in this time when- Wow, that's- Right? That it's all brand new, well, and we I... don't know how to deal. And I think that that it seems so terrifying right now and so frustrating because this is what a dramatic shift in human interaction looks like, and we're living through it. And I don't think I don't share your optimism at all. I think this is a reflection. I think the things like social media and this connectivity that we have now that we're all experiencing is is reflecting bright and with coatings <laughs> just how clear our human nature is. And I think that this is uh, not a good sign for us as a species. I think that, that this this it is the people who can yell the loudest and be the most articulate when they do it who are going to get heard. All I have to say as a president of our United States is an example. Those we things were already the, there. Those things were already there. People believe that, these things. People act right. this and way. And it's amplified. Right. That's why I'm not Absolutely. optimistic. These things were always there. Now they're right. being shown at us with a brightness and a full force that we've never seen before. And we and are I learning the consequences. No, we are we are totally yes. going to get past it. And we are absolutely yeah, learning the consequences. We'll and the, you know, just to, just the last couple of days, in fact, YouTube announced that they're going to modify their algorithms to stop 
pushing conspiracy theories so hard because they've realized that their entire and this was you know back to that idea about these three-hour videos where they're making a ton of advertising and they just keep changing the date right that that because they are um in, you know incredibly clickbaity titles that they don't have to have any evidence for what they say but it's designed just to freak people out and gather the clicks the the robots that we have advocate you know abdicated our jobs to to filter through this stuff have done a pretty bad job but the robots are getting better the company you know the people behind these companies are learning you know twitter and facebook and you know they're all just getting beat up right now and i think that they that we will see them either take this stuff seriously and learn how to how to help moderate these global interactions in a way that is more positive or you're going to see governments start to to be pretty draconian about the way that they do this. And so I, I absolutely think that we are in this transition time and we will see over mm -hmm. a larger scale people learning to get along in the new reality of what we live in. And it might very well be that, you know, again, like if you had an intelligent agent that read the comments that people were posting and was like, oh, this guy's being an asshole. Oh, this guy's got a history of being an asshole. You don't need to talk to him, right? Like, like you can imagine a time where where people cannot get the benefit that they want by being, you know, by behaving in that way, by having a tantrum in public, they will, like a child, have to learn that you don't get to, you don't get what you want if you're going to throw a tantrum. That in fact, you get the opposite of what you wanted if you throw a tantrum. And it is just, you know, it is that process of parenting run on this gigantic no, no, experiment. No, no. No, I'm sorry, but this, this, this it's a game of whack-a-mole. You are you, YouTube can be an arbiter of truth if it wants to, but in the same way that nobody was ever able to silence Alex Jones with his Infowars stuff, he was on all the social media platforms. He's silenced and now. now. He's off all, and now he's off all of the social media platforms. Yeah. It has done very, you know, he is going to be back. Is you're not going to stop that kind of information I in this you, connected age. There are an, you know, it's I not about platforms. He, it's about connectivity. I'll bet you he is going to have a really hard time coming back. I'll he has he has he has triggered an immune system in the social media overall and has sort of provided a an example of what, you know, other people who want to try to to you know, he figured out an advantage. He figured out a way to game the system. The system learned the thing that he tried to do. Someone's going to come up with something new to game the system, but that same trick isn't going to work next time. And I think that eventually we will, they will run out of tricks. Now well, he just goes to 4chan and all the other, uh, uh places where these I things don't, start i mean sure. I'm sorry. i don't see, his, I don't see his videos on youtube i don't see his stuff on twitter i don't see his stuff on well maybe Facebook. not I don't no, see and maybe his exposure is temporarily diminished but his message is not and the people are going to hear it uh, regardless and whether whether it's millions or hundreds of thousands is is not the issue the issue is that i don't think we can put that genie back in the bottle let's take let's have, you whether, know, I'll, bet you, I'll bet you might you know what 100 like 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 let's reconvene in 10 years and 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 if we can figure out some way to objectively say if it's better or not, and and let's ha let's do some kind of bet. Okay. Um, yeah. If I, someone can think, of, just, someone can think of, a, of a way a to have that year, bet, I don't know but, what it's about, Dustin, in this podcast, but I've involved myself in several bets already. But yeah, yes. <laughs> but I'll tell you this: I hope I want to stay, even though I'm taking this position. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't. I don't think I am. 
Well, well, you said it doesn't matter whether it's millions or hundreds of thousands, but I think to Fraser's point, it does matter because that's showing that the system is learning and that that evolution is taking place in the right direction. If it goes from millions to hundreds of thousands or to down to tens of thousands, I mean, limiting it. Trolls. Yes. Yes. Okay. But trolls are always a part of the, of the system. Nero and Rome had to deal with trolls and and they're always there. But, but the, the system, like, like the communities that I run get rid of trolls instantly, right? Like you recognize the behavior of a troll and you get rid of them. I wonder why you always know. And you're putting a lot of, you're putting a lot of faith in this antibiotic nature of, of platforms and, and community, but that's also the source of this problem. And so Maybe you're right. Maybe there's more of us than there are of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's just if we rely mostly on there's good people all over the place, more of more good people than there are all trolls, then then maybe yeah. they can win. And but and I don't know. Computer algorithms designed to support that kind of behavior. I mean, I think that Oh, stop with the algorithms. I don't I don't trust them <laughs> um, anymore <laughs> than I trust them. <laughs> these these algorithms, oh my god, they they're the sort they're the bane of my existence and they never work. I mean I mean Really? How much spam do you have in work? your in your Gmail? right now mine's pretty good well it's okay but uh that's that's an easy problem to solve than human than search the human interaction. google photos for waterfalls and you will see all kinds of pictures of waterfalls now i'm sure it's you know i'm sure it's like race you know there's there was a time when the google photos was doing a terrible job of and you know of of being able to to you know, it made a pile of very public mistakes, but it is better now. And the point is, is that each time they get their, but anyway, we, we could obviously, wait, 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 wait. Oh, I think wait, the only Ray, way to solve okay, it is Ray we come back. And, yeah. We only come back in, you know, we come back in 10 years and, and we go, is it all, I mean, I mean, back to man, like the world is a better place. Like I know, and maybe it's because you guys live in the United States and I live in Canada, I guess. But uh, the world is a better place than it's ever been, right? Well, um, Vancouver Island is actually quite lovely, and I would love to live there. <laughs> that, that there is less war than there's ever been. That there is less. There is less. Um, there's less. Uh, uh, like hunger and infant mortality and overall across the world, uh, gross domestic products are going up and the amount of poverty around the planet has, has gone down. Crime rates are down in pretty much every market that you can look at. Like, like when you mathematically evidence-based look at how is the world doing on many, many things, it is far better than it's ever been. There are absolutely some problems, like we are totally losing out on the climate side and on the environmental side and the species biodiversity side, hence the need to fly to space. But apart from that, I think that that it is reasonable to say the world is better now than it's ever been, and it's going to be better in the future than it has been so far. And there can be momentary blips of sadness um, but don't worry, the pathway well, of humanity seems to I'm be on, curving man. up. Yeah, you're on that right blip of sadness. You're just on that blip of sadness. I must be. I, I, you must be. I'm, I'm blipping big time because yeah. it's like, I, you know, for people who think like I do, I consider myself a progressive, maybe a little bit left on my politics, things like that. For this, and I live in Central Florida, all of these things combined really make me blip, man. Yeah, I mean, you I are blipping. blipping. I know. You are blipping. Yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> Don't so, worry. Yeah. Don't worry. Maybe, we got maybe that's where it's coming from. I'm just I'm just looking at the world through a very uh, uh, Republican covered uh, glasses come, or something. Just come I'm on up, sure. spend some time on my island. Uh, everything will be fine. Yeah. I will. Will you will you greet me from the seaplane and welcome? Yeah. And- yeah. We've got <laughs> late. Yeah. Welcome. Yep, welcome. Welcome to my island. Oh. Yeah. Good. Welcome to there my island. Go. Good. Okay. Thank you, Fraser. That's what yeah. I need. I need that. Yeah.
All righty. Well, I think we better stop there. We're way over time. And this is part one of a three-part conversation. <laughs> um, in part two, we'll be talking about the Fermi paradox and the dark- Fermi paradox yeah. and the Drake equation. And, 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 yeah. and no, and the chilling concept of the, of the great filter. The great filter. Mm, that's yeah. right. I, mm. You're the only other person I've heard of that talk about great filters besides myself. I I think that's an important topic. So and yes, then, and then third third conversation will be uh, Mars is like terrible or it's the worst. No, the title of the podcast will be How Mars is Going to Kill Us. How Mars that will is be... just the worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How we will die on How you Mars. Die on that's going to be. Yeah. The... Get your ass to Mars and <laughs> That's die. That's a good one. Yeah. And die. Yeah. Elon, we'll see you. You're first in line. You he can just, go. go right did you ahead. see today? He just, he changed his tune. It's, we're off to I the moon now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. He's, he's coming around. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody tell him that the I'm moon like, is terrible too. Like, yeah, I do know. Cause yeah. Don't let be... him know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, All Mars right, is the worst just second to the moon. Yeah. That's right. The there moon, it is. Well, yeah. And the moon. The moon just doesn't even have any color either. It's just like nothing. Yeah. It's okay, guys. So All right. I know. Blipping. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go blip for No, I need oh. to get out of it. It's Friday. I need to stop yeah. blipping. I need to get get my get my uh, my attitude up. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. I want to thank our guest, Fraser Kane. Uh, needs no introduction. This has been a really fun podcast. Thank you, Fraser, for taking time out to Ab- be on our little absolute show. Absolute pleasure. Super fun to talk to you guys as always. And I, I can't wait to get into part two and part three. Okay. Yeah, me too. And on behalf of my, my co-host, Dustin Gibson, thank you all so much for listening. And as always, keep looking up. Space Junk was produced by OPT Telescopes in Carlsbad, California, in partnership with Deep Astronomy. Please send feedback and questions to spacejunk at deepastronomy.com.